What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. We talk to founders about their companies, their business for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be doing a reverse interview um, where I'll be having Matt Redler interview me about what I'm working on right now. So I will hand the mic over to Matt and let him introduce himself and he'll have some questions. So how's it going? Matt? Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, my name is Matt Redler. I'm the CEO of a company called Panther, and we automate uh, global payroll and compliance for startups so that they can hire uh, the best people anywhere in the world without the red tape getting in their way. Uh, so really excited to be here to uh, do this reverse interview with yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. So I think to kick it off, you know, at this point, usually I'd be asking all the questions. So I'm going to, I'm sure. going to kind of be, be the guest here. So if you, you know, I would say just start firing off any question that you might have. Sounds great. Well, uh, okay. I'm officially welcoming Matt Sherman to the podcast. Matt is of a growth meter where he's redefining how startups are getting funded. So why don't we start with just kind of, you know, how would you how do you describe what you're building at growth meter to other people what are you building so the answer to this question has changed very very often specifically in the last two months since i've raised uh, a little money from from a couple of investors you included and i um you know what it is now i think it's the most finalized version that it, it could i think i actually maybe found the version that it's going to be for a while so what is growth meter Growth Meter helps startups get funded. Specifically, we help startups that wouldn't get funded otherwise get funded. And what does it mean that they wouldn't get funded otherwise? It means they may be they may be based in the UK. They might be a black founder. They might be someone that doesn't know how to fundraise, but they've so such so much growth um, with their company that they don't even they don't even have time to fundraise. It's these kinds of companies that I want to help. It, it's great founders that don't have a great opportunity to raise capital from the tier ones. And, and I am um, with growth meter and maybe to help all of them raise capital um, in a pretty painless way. Very cool. Uh, so helping startups that wouldn't otherwise get funded, get funded is a very bold statement. Um, obviously there are certain situations, you know, whether it's, you know, the way that a founder looks or way that where they are in the world, where of course that should not be a factor of whether or not the company that they are working on gets, gets funded. But what do you say to, you know, founders that maybe aren't a great fit for venture capital? Uh, you know, because what you, what you define yourself as is you help those startups get funded. So how do you differentiate? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think those startups, that, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that there is a, a, a ton of startups that shouldn't raise venture capital, a ton. Um, most startups shouldn't. 
Um, but you know, I kind of decided kind of, kind of a long time ago that I, I'm not going to be the one to, to tell a founder how, how, how big their ambition should be, how, how much they want to change the world. Because as I'm not a venture capitalist, but you know, in some ways I feel like one and VCs tell founders all the time, your market's not big enough, but all of the biggest companies created their own market. Um, so I, I'm not here to tell a founder that you, you, you shouldn't raise venture because there's an opportunity. I am going to tell a founder you aren't ready for venture yet. I do that every day. Um, but, you know, the criteria I have for growth meter is if you are growing, if you build the product yourself, meaning like you're technical or you have someone technical on your team or, you know, no code, um, but all of that applies. Um, you have three months of re uh, revenue that's growing monthly. And you have a strong mission and that's the hardest to, that's the hardest, cause that's the easiest to game, uh, you know, so that I'm gonna have to figure out how to like filter for that. Then, then you're, we're gonna help you um, because there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get a, get a shot and get funded. No, I'm not talking about, you know, getting everyone a, a $2 million check from Sequoia, but sometimes people you just need 300 grand or 500 grand. Sometimes they do need the $2 million check but it's not up to a VC asset. It's not up to VCs to decide who gets the check or who doesn't. It's up to the market. And right now, I don't think the VCs are representative of the of the actual market. Yeah, and and following you on Twitter, hearing you almost every day preach why you're working on this is is extremely encouraging. But why don't you tell the audience like what is the origin story behind Growth Meter? Where did you first get this passion for solving this problem? Yeah, sure. So I definitely didn't know I was going to be working on this like five years ago. So um, I'll try to keep it like slightly short. It, it, it is a lot. But you know, in short, about three years ago, I started a company called Publoft. Publoft was a content marketing marketplace for to get startups content writers, you know, to, to and that that I, I didn't have a good reason. I, I wanted to quit my job. So I started that Then it turns out I was good at sales. So I was really good at sales. I had a great co-founder and we, and we actually scaled up to 24K in MRR. But as we were scaling up to 24K MRR, I was hitting up VCs. I'm like, hey, we're growing really quickly. Like, do you want to talk? And no, I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. I always have been based here. And, you know, it's either been no, no response or, oh, you're too early or this or that or this and this or this. Um, you know, dozens of VCs. And I'm like, this like literally makes no sense. YC wouldn't even give us an interview. I'm like, what is going on? Like, we have a, we have a rocket ship. Granted, you know, I, I, you know, the, I, I, in hindsight, I know why maybe no one would have funded it, but you think that's enough for a meeting, right? But, but no, no, no one cared. Um, and uh, until Jason Calacanis invested um, when we were at 24K MRR, which was great. Um, once what this allowed me to do is kind of get a look into how the, 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 the fundraising world works. You know, I met with Sequoia, Andrews and Horowitz, Greylog, I, everyone. I pretty much met everyone. And I'm like, wow, this is how it works. This is pretty inefficient. So I kind of got an idea of how the pros do it. And it's not, it's, I'm not critiquing Jason. I'm critiquing just how the venture capital, you know, system works. Um, I have a lot of respect and admiration for Jason Calacanis. Um, but overall, it's like pretty inefficient. So Publoff, that company dies. Um, I get a job at um, at a company, which I'm not going to name. I'm not gonna, I, get, I get a job at a YC-backed company um, that 
that also had similar-ish experiences fundraising. This is a much bigger scale company, um, but kind of felt the same thing being in Phoenix. And I'm like, oh, yay, like there is something going on here. The last thing I'll share, and this is where I'll end it, is throughout this time, in order for me to break into tech, I started a podcast called Forward Thinking Founders. The idea is that, you know, if I interviewed a ton of early stage founders before they um, you know, before they raise capital, then they raise capital. Um, you know, I would break into tech, and it turns out I was really good at this. Um, I've now done this is my 500th episode, this one right here. This is the, we're on the podcast, everyone. And, and you know, I, I kind of see who gets funded and who doesn't, and it, it irks me. I, I, this founders that should get funded that I interview that don't, this founders that do get funded that candidly shouldn't just based on merit and progress. And this is a problem that really frustrates me because everyone in tech talks about diversity issue. Everyone talks about, you know, making, you know, making sure everyone's making the best investments, but no one's actually doing anything about it. And unless you're Dell Johnson, who's doing something about it, or unless you're a few other individual people that, that are actually doing the real stuff, um, I'm, I, I get, identify myself as that. So that's why I'm doing this. The last thing I'll share is, you know, you know, I have data in my spreadsheet of people that I've interviewed that would wow any VC if they gave me the time, but they, they don't because they think I'm, you know, wrong, which is fine. But I, I, I didn't, I don't think I have a chance to change an industry quite like I have a chance to change venture capital. And no, the change would be for the better. It would be the betterment for the world. And it's like, what else would I want to be spending every second of my working day on than trying to make a more accessible, more meritocratic you know, ecosystem for, for pre-seed funding. That's, you know, that, that, you know, I couldn't get in. So now I'm going to help everyone that should have gotten in get in. So let me, let me double click on that. Um, what are the ripple effects of your success? So if growth meter is successful, it means it, it is a lot, it, it, a lot happens. So if growth meter is successful, it means no founder should not know where they are in the fundraising process. Right now, there is an incentive for every VC to tell every founder, you're a little early, do this, let us know. Oh, you know, it's not a right mark. No one's gonna, no one says no, because there's no, there's no incentive to say no, because it closes optionality, because you don't know who, you know, people, no one said no to me, right? They're just like, want to leave the option, like, oh, what if he's right, you know, in a, in a couple of months? So, what growth meter allows is like, I'm gonna be straight up with every founder that we work with. This is where you're at. This is where you need to be to get our help. Um, and ultimately, it, it, you know, the one thing is no one's gonna feel upset about not getting a response from someone. Cause we will, we will make sure every single founder knows where they're at. Now for the ones that are ready for venture capital, what it means is they don't have to be the ones to, sorry, you asked what are the ripples of success? So if we succeed, it means founders don't have to be pro fundraisers anymore. They work with us to, to do their fundraising. They, they find just the best investors immediately, which means the network driven game of venture capital is it, it, it's kind of, um, you know, changed a little bit because a growth meter has access to the best early stage deals before the VCs and founders know that we are, you know, have their best interest in mind because we're not even a VC, right? We're a startup just like them. They will come to us. And if they come to us, we then can um, kind of tend to make sure they work with the best VCs, not just the ones that are most public. So I think that, um, the network driven approach is, is kind of gonna kind of go by the wayside. And the last thing, I mean, there's many, there's many kind of things in this category, but the last one I'll say is if we were to succeed, global entrepreneurship would explode. 
I was just talking to a founder. Um, wh where is it? I have it written right here. Uh, Southeast Asia. His company is exploding and no one give no one will give him the time of day. And that is not, it's not fair. And life isn't fair, but like this person who's growing thousands of months in MRR every month with a slightly competitive landscape, but not too landscape, should be able to raise funding. And they can't. And I bet you there are thousands of companies in that category. So if Growth Meter succeeds, everyone that, that did the work to build a good business, to validate, to de-risk parts of their business will get funded, which means a rise of global entrepreneurship, a decrease of status gains in funding. There are people that try to get into YC just to get the credential, just to raise the next round, just to raise the next round, and they fail anyways. That could have funded way more founders than playing the status game. So to summarize, so it's kind of a lot. First thing is the network-driven approach of, of venture capital kind of stops working uh, because if we get all the founders first, then what, what's there to network into? The second is global entrepreneurship grows significantly and, and capital is a little more, you know, evenly distributed. And the last thing is that, you know, status games just stop. I don't play status games and, and, and status games leave millions of founders that should be funded not. And, uh, you know, I'm done. I'm done with it. Why was location ever a factor um, in terms of um, venture capitalists, you know, seeking investment opportunities? Why did they look less at, you know, opportunities, whether it's outside of the Valley or outside of the United States? You know, this is where I need to empathize with the industry because it's not like venture capital is abnormally bad. Like, 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 like if Hollywood works the same way venture capital works, so does the music industry, so does law. So I, it just, it just so happens that I got involved with venture capital. So they need to kind of like deal with, 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 what, with what that means. But like, I want to start with venture capital is not, you know, worse than politics It's not worse than, you know, it's probably better than a lot of these. So I, I want to start with that. Um, with that said, all of these industries start with who you, you do business with who you know. It's like, you know, you do business with who you trust and who you know. And if you look at the average venture capitalist in, in the Bay Area, there's nothing, you know, they're white, they're white guys. And it's fine. I'm a white guy too. There's nothing wrong with being a white guy. But, you know, I'll be the first to admit I have far more white guy friends than I do black women or black guys, right? And I'll admit, I'll admit that. And like, I, I know ton, I know ton, but like, I know more, I know more people that look like me. And if that is, and I think that's the case for a lot of these VCs. Um, and if that's not the case, I'd love data to disprove it because I hope I, I'd like to be wrong. Um, I'd like to be wrong, but I, I don't think I am. So because of this, they only invest in people they like, know, and trust, and which means they invest in a lot of people that look like them. And when someone with a great opportunity, like this, this, this gentleman in Southeast Asia comes to him, they're like, you know, this looks good, but I don't know you. I don't know someone that knows you and I, I can't, I can't filter you. Um, so I'm going to say no. And that is why vacation always mattered. It's all about trust. If there is a great, if there's someone like, look at me, like, I won't use me as an example, but you need, like the reason warm interests are so powerful is that if Eric Reese, in, you know, introduces you to Mark Andreessen, you know, it says this guy's great, you know, Mark Andreessen will be like, Oh, Eric Reese, you know, is a big deal. Right. So, and he likes Matt. That must be cool. There's nothing inherently wrong with this, but we're getting to a point in the world where like there's too many startups to work like this anymore. It's oh, there's too many startups to deal with network driven approach. But this is why 
location matters. You know, the center of tech is in San Francisco. And obviously this hub's in New York, this hub's in Miami, this hub's in, in Salt Lake. But the farther out you get from SF, the farther out of network you get. And you get, a the last thing I'll say is that you get a random guy like me coming from absolutely out of nowhere from Phoenix, Arizona. And no one trusts me. No one knows me. So of course they're not gonna give me the time. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, and it's so interesting because, um, you know, venture capital being all about the power law and about missing out on the one out of a thousand opportunities that will actually drive their fund um, and in theory make them one of the best investors ever. It, the fact that they have to ignore so many opportunities because they can't network into it is a real shame because they're most definitely missing out, which is why I think the industry needs to in some way be productized um, to be able to get get these founders through, which is why I'm so excited about your build, about what you're building. Um, one of these, I'm going to add actually one thing to that, which this is something that once the industry realizes this, I don't even know what they're going to do. Cause I, 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 I couldn't be in an industry for 50 years, believing one thing and then get data that, that says that's, that's not true. And I, I don't know if I'd be able to like deal with that. So that might be what's happening right now, but I, that early stage investing is random straight up. Like there is, there, like there is, like I'm someone, you know, I've interviewed 500 founders or if, uh, yeah, 500 founders or so on my podcast. You know, I think now, now we're at like 65 that are, has a raised funding. A lot of people are like, Matt, that's, that's good, but it's not great. If you're great, it would have been 150. It would have been 200. And I don't think they realize I don't vet anyone before they come on my podcast. I look at their website. I'm like, that looks cool. <laughs> and then I invite them on. I zero vetting. If I would have vetted all of them, who knows what the numbers would have been? It's random. So I think that there needs to be a dose of random and luck instilled into the culture of venture because there's too many people that got lucky once that think they're great. And because they think they're great and they got lucky once, all the deal flow goes to one of them. So they keep getting great. And honestly, or sorry, they keep they keep staying great because they got lucky once and people don't don't think about luck enough in the industry. And to be candid, they don't think about bad luck. If luck exists, so does bad luck. Um, and people don't think about this. Very cool. So uh, the last time that you were reverse interviewed was 100 episodes, episode 400. This is 500. Congrats on that, by the way. What is the biggest kind of learning or insight you've had um, over the last 100 episodes? No. <laughs> I think that people listening to this that follow me on Twitter will, no, I, here, here, here's what I'll say. I realize with, I, 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 I thought that what I figured out through my podcast and through just everything I've been doing is like obvious. Like it's like, this is, of course, this is how, right. This is my, this is what I've lived. This is what I've known, but it's, you know, it really made me realize in between 400 and 500 that what I've figured out is not obvious to anyone. Like this is a absolute, like it's almost like a fluke that, that the universe put me in this, but like, I like put myself in the universe, put me in this position. And like everyone thinks I'm out of my mind. And, but, but, but when they see the data, they're like, huh? So what I've learned, and this is going to sound bad because I feel like the, la the last couple of months I've like gone off on Twitter 
And you know, you could say I've learned to like, you know, keep keep my mouth on a little more shut or be more modest. But the real answer is no one knows, like no one knows more about this than me. I I I I can without um any hesitation say that this is a type of business, the type of business that I'm in, I would say I know more than anyone at. And that's an opinion. I'm not saying that it's a fact, but what I've learned is if that is true, why would I take product advice? um from anyone else like it's one of these things where like this is very counterintuitive but if what i think is the way if my hunch is correct then the world will work this way but everyone's advice comes from where we're at now and i've had some clashes with this because very smart people have told me things that just make no sense to me but what I realize is they are experts in what the current version of the world is. And I'm trying to build a new world, a new way things that work. So I kind of decided to, and this is why my Twitter has been how it's been. Like, I don't like, I don't care anymore. I don't care because all, all I do care about is that founders respect me. And what people don't see behind the scenes is how many founders I talk to, how many founders I help. I don't care if VCs don't like me. You know, I don't care if random people on Twitter don't like me because as long as I'm a friend to founders, um, they know what I'm doing and that's all that matters. So what I learned is I decided to care a little less. And this, there's some unintended, there's some consequences that come from this. Um, but it's one of these things where the path that I'm blazing is such like a, like a insanely almost like lonely path. Like, no, like there's no, like, I'm kind of like a, in some ways alone in some ways not, but like, 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 like I kind of look like a crazy person to everyone. I just kind of embrace the craziness knowing that I have data to back up the facts. And at, so, at some point, smart people will ask for the data, then they will change their minds too. And until that point comes, I just need to keep walking. Yeah, man, here's to the crazy ones. I agree the data will definitely speak for itself. One question I have for you is obviously being a founder is like a really difficult journey, especially like I can speak personally about this. Um, how do you think about, you know, going on this, going into this huge mission where you have a lot of friction against you, the whole ecosystem, like is not, you know, they, they haven't uh, converted to your side yet. So how do you think about going after this as kind of like a solo founder? What are the toughest parts? What are the benefits of that? Uh, how do you think about that? So one of the, I'll start with the benefits because there's fewer of those than uh, <laughs> the, 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 the other side. The benefit is that I, I, I truly, I, I, I do think I'm the most qualified person on the face of this earth to, solve, to find product market fit in this problem and not having a co-founder, not having anyone to like push back on ideas is very helpful. I'm able to just do what I do. And it might seem like I, I'm, I don't have focus, but like, I, like I'm not worried about any, like I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm figuring out the right model. Um, and luckily I think, I think, I think I'm pretty much there. Thanks to your help the other day. Um, what are the, you know, I, I kind of had to put up a wall, like a mental wall the last few months because, you know, the unfortunate truth, I kind of said this before, but I didn't say it straight up, but I'll say it straight up now. If growth meter succeeds the way that venture capital works, it, it, it kind of, it kind of changes a lot. And, and, you know, it changes completely to be candid. And I think, and any individual will say that it changes for the better, but the system doesn't want to change. The system makes a lot of people a lot of money. And 
I had this thing when I was pitching a bunch of VCs, they like couldn't even get in the mind space that I was even close to onto something. Like, like they couldn't even imagine, like they couldn't even imagine they were like, they were not, I'm not saying they were mean, they were all very nice, but like they weren't, they, they didn't get it. Um, so, and it was, it was hard for me. It was to be honest, hard. Um, and I kind of lost it. Like I, it's one of these things where it's like, I got the smartest people in the world telling me that I'm wrong. Like, am I wrong? And, uh, in some ways I feel like, like, you know, I hate making this comparison because how, how can I make it my, how could I do this? But I can't think of a better one. I often feel like Travis Kalanick, what he did to the taxi drivers, uh, like, but look at what he did to the taxi drivers, but now look at what has been created because of it. Look at the, the beautiful, you know, out in, at impact that has been had. I kind of look at myself like him, but I need to go through the funders um, to do that. And yeah, it's taxing. And it's psychologically challenging and it's lonely and it's, you know, it, it's, it's, e it's easy to just stop caring because pretty much either no one cares or the people that do care, care that you fail. And being someone that has no background in tech, never lived in San Francisco, um, not even a coder. I see why people think that I'm full of it, but I just wish more of them took a call and to hear me out. And because they don't, um, most don't, they, um, they assume they make assumptions and it's been pretty miserable <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it's been, it's been pretty miserable. Um, but it's one of these things where things are really, you know, recently, you know, my one of my other investors, Eric Reese, is getting a little more involved with with what I'm doing, which which is great. And things are a lot. I kind of I just found a business model that that I think is working. Oh, that's actually one thing I want to share: business model, business model. So the problem has never changed. I've never I've had the, this has been the problem. The issue though is that when I started this company, it started off with MRR and I grew it quickly. So like out of the gates, I had like a hundred different people paying me like 20 bucks a month or something like that. But I realized that like that isn't the business model that will solve the problem. But I also don't have unlimited cash. So I like had this really difficult challenge of managing that problem. And I've obviously been sharing business model ideas online, things like that. Um, but I just think it's one of these things where hustle won't make it. I can't hustle to get to five grand MRR because that just makes me farther away from my goal. Um, so the last thing I'll say is, yeah, it's, it's pretty miserable. And and if it wasn't for how much I, I loved what I do and love talking to founders and, and, and actually thought I had a shot at this, I would stop. But, you know, I love this so much. Like, I love what I do. I think, I think I have what I need to do what I want to. I think I, I think, I think I can do it. And because of that, I don't stop. And the last thing is I know that everyone has good, good intent. I'd like to think everyone has good intentions. And when they see what I'm actually, there'll be a, a point where everyone's like, wow, like the dude wasn't wrong. And that could be five years from now. It may never have, I could fail. You know, I, I, it's not, I could fail. Um, but you know, I don't think that'll happen. Um, so I'm looking forward to the day that people realize that I wasn't a bad guy in the end of the day. Absolutely. It, it sounds like the toughest part of the journey is, you know, 
trying to convince people who live in the present uh, about the future that you imagine. And while a lot of them, you know, might turn out to be wrong, uh, I imagine there has to be a thing or two that you took from those conversations to, to iterate or improve. Maybe that's even just how you communicate your idea. Um, could you speak a little on that? Like, would love to know if and how those conversations, although they were definitely probably tough to go through, you know, ended up pushing you, um, you know, to iterate um, and ultimately hopefully increase your odds of success. Well, you know, I've always had an issue of, of, of it's not what I say, it's how I say it. This is, this is not like a, a recent problem. Um, it, it's something that I dealt with before I got into t- I mean, so that that's what I've learned. I, I, I am fully aware that if I communicated things differently, that I would win more people over. But this is, yeah, so, so that, that's what I've, like, that's what, it's what I've learned, but it's not a new lesson. I know this. Um, the, the, one other thing I'll share, and then I'll back, I'll go back to what I just said, is I did, I, I kind of, you know, through the, the feedback that I got from people, I realized that I was looking for validation for what, you know, for whatever reason, but this is one of the, this is my, this is my journey to what, this is my path to walk down. And yeah, a lot of people have done something similar, like they started firms and stuff. I'm doing something very different. And because of that, no one else is going to have the answer and no one's going to have the magic bullet or the silver bullet. Um, I have a magic bullet. Uh, it's, a, it's a blender. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, those are two things that I've learned. But one thing I want to bounce back to, and I, until I get a big VC to bet on me, like until someone, until I get that, I'm not going to stop tweeting how I'm not going to stop because I am not trying to win over everyone. I'm trying to win over one person that yeah, thinks I need one. I just need one. Like I, I can control these tweets, but the thing, like I need one person that like a bit, like Eric Reese was a great first check, but like, I need another, you know, person that is very credible to actually see me write the check. And then I will calm down. I like, or maybe like, or maybe that won't be enough. Maybe I need it, wait, need it to be till series B. But the thing is, I, no, no, I mean, I don't think that'll be the case. I just, I need someone with influence to, to, to tell the world with a check that Matt is, is onto something. Cause if I don't do that, if I don't make all this noise, no one cares. There's a million people trying to build what I'm building and they're all quiet. No one cares about them. And like, no one cares about me, but at least they know who I am. And one of them, one of them is going to be like, wait, he did that. And he interviewed that. Let's take a meeting. And then they'll be enlightened. So that, so that I don't, I don't, I communicate how I do strategically. And this, it is who I am, but I am willing to change, but not yet. It is not the time to please everyone. I have a, a two-part question. The first part is, uh, how did you get the check from Eric? It'd be a quite a better question for him. Uh, the reason I say that is because I mean the the my experience with Eric is he was an investor in the company that I worked for. Um, when COVID hit, I I asked him to come on my podcast to talk about some things that companies could do for their employees without kind of wreck, wrecking the whole company. So we had him on my podcast. 
And then, you know, time passed. We exchanged a few emails, you know, and, uh, uh, but there wasn't much. And one day I'm just like, I don't, I guess this is going to be public because I'm sharing it. I don't know. I guess it's fine. One day I, I, I you know, I just I'm running out of money <laughs> and I'm just like, eh, you know, like, oh, I, I didn't want to invest or <laughs> something like that. Like it was, you know, something around the lines of like, you know, anyone want to write like a, like a small check and he cold emailed me and, and, you know, he, I didn't need to sell him and that, and, and and he invested and he's an investor now and that that money saved this this that 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 check saved it um it saved it straight up and we never engaged on twitter before you know we had one podcast but he just decided to invest you know based on a tweet and the reason he did and you again you'll have to ask him because like he probably has his own story um but he pro- he probably follow- he probably saw the the line that I was drawing over six months. He saw my tweets. He saw through the anger and saw to the reason. And he's like, "This dude, he's a good dude. Let's write him a check." And uh, I bet that there are very, very, very powerful people doing the same thing right now. Um, so I do what I do. It's worked so far. It doesn't please everyone. In fact, it pleases very few. But that's okay. I know who I need to please and who I need to ignore. Okay, I'm going to push back because I know there's no chance that Eric wrote you the check because you're a good guy. So why did Eric write you the check? Why did he invest in you in Growth Meter? What does he say? You know, I honestly, like, it, it, it's the, what I said is the, so I guess it's two, twofold. So we, we had a conversation after, after he invested. And there was a moment in the conversation where he said, like, Matt, like, you sound, you sound kind of crazy after he invested. No, Matt, like, you sound kind of crazy, but like, you're kind of coming off like Paul Graham. And like, like, and I think that because and I'm not comparing myself to Paul Graham, Paul Graham is a genius. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Paul Graham. I just, the way that I communicate it comes off like I I have this secret about st- startups that no one else knows and no one believes me. Let me start something to capitalize. You know, yeah, like kind of sounds similar. And I think we, he invested for probably two reasons. Um, one, and this is probably the primary reason why he wrote the check. It's probably good for his business. Like he's the CEO of Long Term Stock Exchange. Um, you know, he, he works with tons of startups and partnering with someone that knows how to get to like a bunch of startups. I'm sure there was an element of like, Oh, like this guy could like help me with long-term stock exchange. And I'm sure that was probably the majority in the beginning, but what's been fun is I slowly kind of been, uh, <laughs> I need a different word from infect because infect's not the right word, obviously, but I've been slowly showing him kind of the light and introducing him to founders and it, he recently got to this point where he's like, dude, like, these are all good founders. <laughs> like, I, I, Wait, but what's special about these founders? Are you saying that these are founders who otherwise VCs would not kind of, you know, give the light of day to? These are founders that for whatever reason have struggled to fundraise. And I, I know the reason, but I'm not going to, I, I, I hypothesize about the reason. And I introduced them to Eric and, and, and they're like, yeah, yeah, these, these are all great. Like, let's let's do something here um so to answer your original question again i can't i can literally we haven't talked we actually haven't talked about why like why he literally invested 
Um, so maybe I can, that'd be interesting for number 600 or he can come on or something like that. But um, I think initially it's like, oh, this person's smart. They're cool. I know him from Prenda. He isn't, he, you know, why it's just, it's, it's just a small check. But I think I have persuaded him that there's something bigger here. Um, and it's nice. It, yeah. And it, yeah. So, so I think that he now is like getting it a little more involved because um, he thinks there could be some good done here. Um, but I actually, but you'll have to ask him. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have him on the podcast, yeah, but we'll have to ask him why I wrote the check. Cause I actually don't have a better, I, like, I, I don't have a better, like he invested before he knew what I was doing. Part, and also last thing I'll say, part of the thing that's part of the beauty here. Like, like I, there's another investor, Dave Goldblatt. He invested before he knew what I was doing. These, these, these are people that are investing in me because you think I will figure out the problem. And you know what? It's going to work out for like, I'm figuring it out. Like it's going to work out. And they just were willing to take on the risk that Matt isn't sure of what it is yet, but like, let's, let's roll the, like, it's going to work out very well for all of them and you, um, you know, you, you wrote a small check too. Um, so I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Yeah. I'm the, the core, the core thing here, which like is almost indisputable is, is the founder problem fit. Um, I think like I wrote, I wrote a very, you know, I wrote a check that I can write. It's a small check, but, and, and the other investors I think are really intrigued because this is a really incredible problem where there's a huge opportunity, uh, not just to make money, but to, uh, again, the, the ripple effects are so exciting. If so many individuals who are kind of like Silicon Valley caliber, but for whatever reason, whether it's the way they look or their location or something else, couldn't get in front of VCs. Um, solving that problem has incredible ripple effects for the world that we all live in. Let me actually uh, clarify something. I should have mentioned this before. Um, no, all these companies, like they're like, they are like world-class companies. Like these are companies that build the product themselves that have thousands of dollars in recurring revenue, which is growing monthly with just total badass founders. Like it is hilarious to me that they're not able to fundraise. Like, I mean, it's hilarious and sad. Like it's like hilarious that, that, that VCs can't see what Eric and I see. Um, so, 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 you know, I think there's a, there's a perception that I'm trying to, you know, you help me realize this, Matt, like that, that I'm trying to help more founders get funded. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to make sure that the best founders that are starting companies today get funded. I'm not trying to create more founders. I'm trying to be an equalizer. I'm trying to create, you know, the equalizer. Um, so just wanted to clarify, these are like, these are like, also last thing, if anyone's listening to this, they're like, oh, I don't believe it, Matt, you know, prove it. M-A-T at M-A-T-S-H-E-R-M-A-N.com. I will send you deals right now and you will be like, holy shit, this guy's on to something. Send the email. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to quickly add on to that, like we have incredible stories of, uh, of great people from around the world who have created some of the best companies. Um, and, you know, the reasons why the ones we know of happened to be funded was because some of these people happened to move to the Valley. So for example, Chamath is from Canada. Uh, Michael Krieger, the founder of Instagram is from Brazil. So are the Brex founders. The Carlson brothers are from Ireland. This is literally just a few examples I have on top of my head. And if these people wouldn't have moved across the world, uh, it's very likely that they would have had a way more difficult time being funded. Um, and so why, like, why does that have to be, uh, like, why is that a requirement? And so I, I think Growth Meter has the opportunity um, to be like the great equalizer here. Question for you is what's next for Growth Meter? 
Well, I've been looking for a business model for like very actively for six months. Um, Cause I've been doing the podcast before then and I had a job and you know, it's not like I, would, I cared that much. Um, I, 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 I honest to, I, I honestly think that I have it. I, I think that things are, this is just as of three days ago, I think things are aligned in a way that like everything, like the puzzle is complete. At least the, 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 what's the business model? There's many puzzles to solve, but what's the business model puzzle? Um, so now it's executing on that business model. So what is it? And I'm, I'm purposely not going super, super deep into it now. Cause it's like stealthy. Like the founders that know, no, but like, I'm not sharing it with everyone, but it's just executing on the plan. I, I don't need to change my mind anymore. I found, you know, and the answer is not growing MRR. Um, there is a much more lucrative way to help founders to get paid and to build a venture scale company. Um, that almost acts like a VC, but runs on cash. And that's the, 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 the next step. The next step is to let's make some money with this new business model. Once we make some money with this new business model, we will have more data. We'll probably raise money, you know, and uh, then it's about convincing the world that like, we're good people and we have a good solution and uh, we want to help. And uh, it, it's in that order though. That's why, like, I don't care if anyone thinks I'm a good person right now. Like I, I am, I know I am the, the, the job at hand is let's, let's get some money in like real money. And then once we get some real money in our, let, let, then let's make sure people let's smooth over my reputation a bit. Yeah. Okay. My last question is where do you want to be, whether personally or a growth leader or, or all um, in another hundred episodes at number 600? All right. So let's say I do a hundred, a hundred, um, it is a hundred. Let's say I do one a day, even though I'll, I'll probably do more. Let's assume it's one a day. That's three months. That'll be May or like March, April, May, uh, depends on like, flexible on, on, on how fast I do it. Um, I will have made growth meter will have made money from 10 different companies, helping them fundraise. Um, and at this point we'll probably have already raised money. Cause I, once, once, I think once we have like two to three successes with this new model, something's going to happen. So I think that we will have succeeded in getting some companies funded um, by great firms. I think we will start to get some real inbound interest. I think we'll have raised around. Um, and I honestly think we, we will probably be almost in, I bet in three months we'll be scaling. I, I, I like, like I, there's like, this is no one is working on this well. So all I need is to just, it's just a time, like I need one or two or three, you know, wins. And then like, this is like, this is gonna, this is gonna go, this is gonna go quick. Um, cause, cause, cause what I'm really doing is, is what I'm really competing with is the accelerators. Hey, if you're trying to break into, 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 you know, you're trying to raise capital. Oh, give up 7% of your company and do blank. Well, what if you only give up a much, much smaller portion of your company and, 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 you know, and in order to, to break in, what if that was possible? Um, and it is. So I think, I think once people realize that, uh, it'll be an interesting world. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to follow along for the journey. So Matt, thank you for showing up to your podcast today. <laughs> it's been great to reverse interview you and I'm excited to keep listening and kind of check in and see where you're at uh, in another hundred episodes.
100%. Thanks for being the reverse interview host for the day. Uh, and everyone, thanks for listening. Hope you all have a little more context on why I do what I do. Hope you all have a good rest of your day.